You're listening to That's the Industry Podcast, episode number 40. Today, I'm going to take you behind the scenes of what it's like to be a writer for Comedy Central's Roast, as well as what it takes to be a stand-up comedian. Here we go. You're listening to That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry. Directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, everyone? Thomas Jordan here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am with the Calhoun Queen of Comedy, (laughs) the Roast Battle Badass, and Rob Riggle's right-hand woman, Sarah. (laughs) Yes, Sarah Tiana. Tiana. Yes. I'm like, oh, did you forget halfway through? I say, no, "No, you're just being dramatic. Just I'm trying to add the dramatic effect. Yeah, Thomas Jordan. That's so cool. That's a... So my boyfriend and I are having a baby in February. And Congratulations. That, thank you. And um, he's his whole life said he wants to name it Thomas Jordan, you know, Brady Bach. I mean, like Thomas Jordan Brockman because Tom Brady and Jordan, Michael Jordan. Oh, so you're not joking. No, I'm not kidding. Oh. So literally when you emailed me, I was like, oh my God, like we had just announced the it's baby. It's a sign. Yeah, we had just announced that we were pregnant. And so yeah. then you're like, I was like, I just got an email from Thomas Jordan. And he's like, what? I'm a weird universe person, so yeah. I don't know what role I play, but I feel like it's an awesome name. You'll have to send me a picture. Just yeah, like, no, oh we're definitely God. not naming it that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, right. there's no way I'm naming it after a Patriots player. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, like, when was your, I know we're on limited time, so like, when was your aha moment well, as far as when you wanted to become a comedian? Like, you knew this is exactly what you were supposed to be doing. Um, you know, I didn't move, I, I moved to Los Angeles uh, right after college to be an actress. I did not know what stand-up was. I had seen it one time, but I didn't really know much about it, and um I just kept getting my friends kept daring like one of my friends was just like you have to do it like he just like wouldn't take no for an Mm -hmm. answer and was just like he just I basically started on a dare and um, it just worked out I mean I didn't really think it was going to go anywhere I didn't think that you could go anywhere with comedy I thought it was like you had to have a sitcom and then you could do stand up Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was the other way around and I was uh, I had been in LA for almost three years and I was like I was going to move back. I was going to move to Wilmington, North Carolina. That was that meant I wasn't giving up. I was just like moving to where Dawson's Creek was filmed. <laughs> and um, I was tired and I went to go watch a movie. And the movie I wanted to watch wasn't playing, but Jerry Seinfeld's movie Comedian was playing. And I was like, well, I've done some stand-up. Like, I'll watch that. And uh, everyone was laughing and I was crying. And that was kind of my aha moment where I was like, okay, I have to do this. This is a sign and this is what I have to do forever. And so... I went home and unpacked and called my mom and I was like, I ain't going home. I'm staying. I know, <laughs> you know, 15 years later, I'm still Jeez. there. Yeah. And now you're writing for roast battles and mm-hmm. are, that are on Comedy Central, which is, <laughs> I think you made it then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we just finished the Alec Baldwin roast um, last week. So that comes out this Sunday, uh, September 15th. And then, um, yeah, and then I start writing on David Spade's show next week. So yeah, I That's would say ins- yeah, things are going good. Yeah, yeah, I so, really like the writing. That that to me is like more important than the stand up. I, I like writing more than I like doing stand up. So what's their writing process like for the roast? Yeah, uh, for the roast, like you first you come in and you just kind of write about everybody that's on the dais, mm-hmm. and um, then they start. And then the head writer will kind of pick his favorites or her favorites, and then they'll put them in a bank, 
And then you start getting assigned people to write scripts for based on, A, if you know them or just like you just randomly get chosen to, mm-hmm. to pick them, you know. Usually I would always have the sports people because I know so much about sports. So, you know, I would get Peyton Manning or whoever, you know. And, um, and so then you kind of just draw from the bank and like start writing the jokes more into their mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. So, but like, how, like, what is your writing process like? Do you kind of start with the punchline first and then work backwards? Or do you no, just. No, I look kinda... for the setup first. You know, gotcha. I look for, you like, all good writing is just research. Yeah. You know, um, my favorite website to use is rhymezone.com. Okay. Uh, because rhymezone, you can put in a word, like, say, like, you know, I'm like looking for a joke about Alec Baldwin about 30 rock or whatever. Yeah. And so um, you can type in the word rock mm-hmm. and it'll give you all the rhymes, but it also has a section called related words and it'll say like stone or granite, you know, like, and so you can maybe come up with an idea, you know, you know, the setup, which is Alec Baldwin was on 30 rock, yeah. right? You know, or then you just do more research about him. It's like, oh, Hunt for Red October. He was in Hunt for Red October. So that has to do with submarines. And what are submarines? They're underwater or they're deep, you know, or mm-hmm. like things that Alec Baldwin aren't. So then you start looking for adjectives that kind of describe that. So there's kind of like a parallel. Most most great roast jokes are sim- are like metaphors that are fucked up. Yeah. You know, it's like you're, you're like this, but you're actually not like this yeah. because you have this in common except this. Yeah, you know, but so, so where's the line then? Because I is there is there a line with roast? Because those roast jokes, some of those are pretty. And I see them. You know, you see clips of them all the time yeah. online, or if you even watch them live, like some of those jokes are pretty, uh, pretty gnarly. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, uh, there's not really a line. I mean, there'll be some. Sometimes there's people who. Like, you know, like, oh, right, he doesn't want us to do any jokes about this, or he's under a lawsuit, or he's still in a court battle based on this, so we can't talk about this. We can't use the word punching, or we can't use the word teabag, you know, like, whatever it is for certain people, like, there's just certain things that you can't say, and so, but it's pretty rare that there's a line, you know, you just know, like, as a human being, what that line is. It's tough because as a person who has no, who really doesn't know much about writing comedy mm-hmm. or stand up at all, like when you, when I'm watching those roasts, I mean, I mean, Pete Davidson jokes about his dad dying in 9 11. So it's like, uh, where is, where is the line? Yeah. You know? The other thing, the thing, the weird thing about those jokes is like, you know, you, you need to, you have to find something about somebody mm-hmm. and then just kind of exploit that one thing. And with Pete and his dad, you know, Pete was like four years old when that happened. It's mm-hmm. not like he was like 16 and remembers everything about his dad. So when you think about it, like, even though the joke sounds harsh because you're mentioning 9 11, it's mm-hmm. really about just like a four year old losing their dad. You know, mm-hmm. who like he didn't know him that well at that point. Of course, he misses him and loves him, you know, but it's kind of just like, you know, like that territory. It's something he's going to joke about. Mm-hmm. So then you can joke about it. You know, but, but, he's going to be the first one to do that. But, joke. There, but there is a list, though, of things you can and cannot say. No, there's not a list. There's not a list. No. <laughs> is there an approval process? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, the person has to be willing to say it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but the head writer just will go through and be like, you know, that's great. Or we'll just like maybe reword it so that it maybe doesn't sound so bad or so direct. And yeah. Sometimes people write things and you're like, is that a joke or just a statement? You know? Dang. <laughs> you know, but most of the time no, I think as joke writers, like, you know what a good joke is, you know, yeah. you're not going to be lazy about it. And if you're surrounded by a bunch of writers that are writing jokes for a living. It's kind of, you guys all understand each other. Yeah. Okay, cool. Of course. Yeah. Like you, you know, what's good and you know, what's not, you know? So it's like, and, and then when you start writing scripts, you know, like 
So, like, let me just give you an example of a joke that didn't make it for Baldwin. Like, we were talking about um, Halle Baldwin. Like, we were talking about Mueller, read the Mueller report or something, mm-hmm. and we were comparing it to Alec Baldwin because he was also really blacked out in the 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or he was super blacked out <laughs> at one point in his life. And then we wrote this tag that was like, oh, sorry, every time I can't say blackout because every time I do, Robert De Niro puts on cologne, right? <laughs> Because he likes black women. But you also have to find out, you have to make sure, A, is that joke coming at a point in the show where it's already been mentioned? Yeah. You know, is it clear enough? Is Cologne clear enough (laughs) that we're talking about him and black women? You know what I mean? So then, you know, at one point we changed it to like whenever, you know, he sprays on, uh, like, what did I say? I think we, like, uh, he, he, he did one thing and then like sprays on, it was like the opposite. It was like an old. It became an old man joke at the same time, mm-hmm. to where it was like you know, like old spicer that polo that comes in that old that green bottle or something. Yeah, no, like no, that. like he he yeah, like he he pops in a cologne and sprays on a Werther's original. You know what I mean? Like it was like <laughs> the opposite. Yeah. You know, where it's like old man is confused. So not only is he excited about black women, but he's confused about how to approach them. So it like <laughs> had double layers, and then we just ended up taking it out because it didn't work. Gotcha. For the person that was saying it. So how do you know if it does work or not? Like, does everybody just sit there and they're like, okay, this one, yes, 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 no. It's really up to the person that's saying it, you know? Okay. Like, they kind of get final say on, like, what they want to do because they're ultimately the one that has to take the responsibility of what they're saying. And are you guys writing for everybody? Because normally on those roasts, there's, like, 20 people there. There's the people on stage. Mm-hmm. There's the host. There's that. Are you guys writing for the entire show, basically? We're writing for the entire show. Like, so most of the... Like, Jeff Ross doesn't really use the writer's room that much. He has his own people. Mm-hmm. And, like, Nikki has her own people. And this year, Blake Griffin had his own people. Uh, and De Niro has his own people, you know. So then, like... Well, actually, I, but I apparently, like... But then sometimes you'll still see one of your jokes get in. So you're yeah. like, hmm, I wonder how his people must have also been our people, you know, because Dang. De Niro ended up saying two of my jokes. So I was like, and actually I didn't know. So like clearly they were using the bank. Yeah. So it was great. Though. It was an honor. So when you when you're watching that and you hear your joke go through <laughs> somebody's mouth there, you're like, is it like if you were in a commercial or something, you're like, I'm right right there. You know, you're oh, like yeah, for two you're seconds. Proud. You're like, yeah, yeah, I was you're gonna very say, proud. What's, I was gonna say what's the the, it's a proud feeling to hear. Yeah, it. for me it is. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's an honor. It's like, it's. Um, I, I think it's a whole other muscle. It's like Donald Sterling. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know who that is, but he used to own the Clippers, and he got in all this trouble for you know racist comments and stuff like that. And so I was like, man, you know, like we could have compared Robert De Niro to. Donald start his old owner because his old owner also liked to fuck minorities, you know? And I mean, that's like such a fun joke yeah. for him, that only he could say. That's not a joke that anybody else, Caroline Ray can't say the joke, you know? So you write jokes and you're like, yes, this is perfect. Like from his perspective, everything is from a personal window. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's like, I wrote this joke for Caitlyn Jenner, you know, that was like, um, like the biggest thing about her and her with her transition and, and going through the surgery, you know, is like the number one thing that men always ask me about her is like, well, did she still hit off the men's tee? You know, mm-hmm. like it's like the biggest thing that guys want to know. And and she's really adamant about it. You know, like she's really defensive. Like when you ask her that question, she's like, yeah, you know, like, yes, mm-hmm. I hit off the men's So I wrote this whole joke that was like, people always ask me, do I hit off the men's tee? Like, of course I hit off the men's tee. I might be a woman, but I'm not a little bitch. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like... Such it was like a like this empowering joke that only she could say. 
That's cool. Yeah. So it's like you write jokes like that that you know like are going to get an applause break if they say it, if they want to. But that joke, never. she never even saw that joke. So. And I mean, you've been doing this for 15 years. How quick can you write jokes like that? Like, are you pretty quick or do you need like time to kind of like sit and like really ponder them? Well, you need like the initial jokes just kind of come out fast. And then when you start having to dig deeper and like find like other avenues like that you Mm want to write about with with Caitlin, you want to try to write things that aren't just about the surgery. Mm -hmm. But that's obviously the hottest topic. So like your mind just goes that direction. So you have to force your mind to think a different way to force your mind to think about her as an Olympian like what jokes can we make about her as an Olympian Mm -hmm. that aren't just like you know she runs the 100 meter dash and now she has a 100 meter gash you know you don't want (laughs) to just like have only those you know that's the easy one but you're like how do I think of of other things like what else is there about her you know and so Nikki Glaser had these great jokes about her also running so fast from her first family you know like jokes about how she like left that family for the Kardashians basically yeah Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like a whole different avenue. So like you can, there's lots of things that you can make fun of her for, not just her surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And how long as like an artist, how long does it take to develop, to develop a skill like that? Oh, I mean, you're always developing it. I think I'm still developing it. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's just a muscle. So it depends on how much you work it. So like when I'm working on a show for two weeks, that muscle tightens and it gets, it gets better. Mm-hmm. And like well, now I'll be on David Spade's show for 13 weeks and then it will get better and better and better, you know. But then sometimes my my uh, comedy suffers yeah. because you start writing jokes for other people and you're not really writing for yourself because then that muscle gets harder mm-hmm. because it, you're weakening the, the, the muscle where you write stand-up material because mm-hmm. you're working so hard on the other muscle. Yeah. It's all different. It's not all the same. Like roast jokes are not the same as stand. I don't do roast jokes in my stand up, you know? That's intense. Yeah. I've always, cause I've always learned cause I mean, and how would you explain to somebody how to actually start learning to write jokes? I mean, I would just start reading jokes. Mm-hmm. I would read jokes and see what jokes sound like and how they work. And then, like I said, every, most jokes are comparing and contrasting, you know, mm-hmm. like I wrote this joke about Ralphie May and like the best jokes are also timely so like things that are happening in that moment, like when I roasted Ralphie May, rest in peace, you know, he it was right after the Ray Rice incident. So I'm like, how can I make this about Ralphie May? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Ralphie May is obviously not an athlete. He's never punched a woman, but no one wants to be on an elevator with him either. You know, <laughs> so that, that's the comparison where yeah. you're like, OK, that's just a fat joke. It's like a long way around a fat joke. That's a little bit more clever and not just calling. It's calling. It's around calling him fat. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and like we talked about all these roasts and all these like cool podcasts you get to do now. Like, I feel like you didn't just move out there unless it did happen. You just move out to LA and those jobs come knocking at your door. So like, how did you get your first like actual job? My writing job? Mm -hmm. My first writing job came from Jeff Ross. And that was like after I I had done this um, to get into the country music world. I was like, the things I know the most are like country music, sports and the military. So I was like, these are the worlds I want to be in because these are the worlds I know the best. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be funny like trying to talk about the real housewife because i have no interest in that you know what i mean like i these are the things i know and these are the things i care about so i did the same thing with jeff ross that i did with my friend john rich who's a country singer and that's kind of how i got into the nashville scene of of comedy and that's why i opened for brad paisley and like write for all these other guys it's like so with jeff i like i was running a comedy room and he uh 
he was doing my show and I saw him at a birthday party and um, I was like, you know, what's the next roaster doing? And he said, Quentin Tarantino is like this charity thing. Mm. And I was like, what's your email? And he gave it to me and I just sent him jokes every day until he couldn't ignore me anymore. And then he started wanting to use them. And then he would ask me, he'd like, well, why don't you come over and write with me and my friends at, at his house? So I would go over there and I would write and I would contribute and he would love them. And then um, not long after that, he did the Charlie Sheen roast, so I helped him with that. I ended up writing the first joke he said, you know, and then uh, and then he got his show on Comedy Central right after that, The Burn, and then he asked me to run on that. So it was all just, it's hustle. You know, it's not just opportunity. It's like how you take it. Yeah, yeah and, it's and, not just having a skill. It's not just having it. It's like how am I going to take a hold of the opportunities that I'm giving and make sure that nobody else gets them. And you yeah. said, and I know persistence is a huge thing for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Persistence is everything. Yeah. Everybody says that luck is just perseverance for time, you know? And that's pretty much true, you know? It's like, you just don't give up. You don't take no for an answer. You just send jokes constantly until they can't ignore you. I mean, if, and the jokes might not be good, but mm-hmm. maybe they'll get better. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm just... So you literally send him a, a joke a day. And, oh, yeah. And uh, so, I like... Send, well, with Jeff, I would send him more than that. When I met John Rich... He asked me if I could write jokes about country music artists, and I said yes. And then um, he, uh, I sent him a joke every day for a year. Dang. So he couldn't ignore me. That's insane. Yeah, so he wouldn't forget about me. I love and he it. Didn't. Yeah. And what? And I always wonder because I, since you have these awesome paying jobs now, like some of these artists, whether they're comedians, whether they're actors, whatever, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't happen for a while, and you, it's like you go from one extreme to the other. You go from being broke to now it's like so much money. <laughs> so what was that moment like when you first like got that check and you're know. like, okay, this is awesome. I don't know if I would say so much money, you know, well, more, than, like, you're, yeah, more than you're making, you know, especially in LA, like where you're working. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Getting health insurance is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Adulting. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's like, it's a, uh, it's kind of trippy. I mean, but, but with everything, it's like with everything, like you, um, you know, you might get a writing job, but it might just be for a couple of weeks. It might mm-hmm. be for six weeks. It might be for four. It might be for 13. Mm-hmm. Like, you never really know. So I feel like you're always campaigning for the next one. And, like, your job on that job, on your writing job, is just to do the best that you could possibly yeah. do so that when somebody else in that room is working on something and they need a writer, they think of you, you know? And, I, and I've and i been, I'm very fortunate in that I was born a woman and that is a huge advantage. I don't, like when women say it's a disadvantage and oh, we never get anything, I'm like, well then you ain't doing it right. Like <laughs> there's not a lot of us. Like, and so the good ones really rise to the top. So we're busy, I'm busy all the time because they have to have a woman in the room. They have to. It's like, it makes you look real bad. <laughs> like you'll get blown up on Twitter if you don't. And there's a lot of great female writers out there. Mm-hmm. So when we're when we're when you're good, you're working, you're busy. That's why I get mad when like people say, "Oh, the comedy store doesn't book enough women." And I'm like, "Man, we're fucking busy. Like I can't be there every night. Like if you're funny and you're a woman, you're working all the time. There's not a lot of us." For people who don't know what the comedy store is, what is it? The comedy store? Yeah, for people uh, who don't. The comedy I know. store is the most It's a comedy club that's been in Hollywood since 1976. Um it's it makes more money than any comedy club or any actual like rock club in the whole world. Yeah, it's got three rooms. It works all the time. You know, 
going all the time. It's the you get your name up on the wall when you become a paid regular. So not just anybody. You have to become a paid regular to perform there. You can't just like walk in and do a show. And what's uh, what's the honor like getting your name on the wall there? It's like the Walk of Fame. Yeah, it's like getting. I'd rather have my name on there than the than a star on the Walk of Fame for sure. Yeah, it's much more of an honor. And it's crazy because like where it is on Sunset. I remember <laughs> when I first moved to Los Angeles. Like going there, I mean, you saw so many famous people in there. Like <laughs> yeah. I walked in, I I, I think Whitney yeah. Cummings was doing. I don't know if she was practicing or what. Like I, yeah. I think I walked in on accident. There was like four people there, mm-hmm. and she. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she's like, no, you can sit down. I'm like, huh. Yeah. And then I turn around, and Chris D'Elia is just like chilling yeah. there. And then I walk to go to the bathroom, and Kevin Smith is there. Mm-hmm. I was like, where okay. am I? Like no, if it you're is a good comic. You're working out there. Mm-hmm. No, it's super cool. I mean, it got more famous when I, when I started there. Like nobody was going there. It was like we'd be like, if there were sixty people there on a Saturday, mm-hmm. we were like, holy shit, we're getting paid, you know. Yeah. And now, like because of the podcast era, you know, because Rogan goes there all the time, and his podcast is huge, and then you know Joey Diaz podcast is huge, and then obviously Chappelle is huge, and Chappelle, like our club, the Comedy Store was the only club that didn't have cameras. Yeah, so. He would only come there to practice. So people were like, oh, well, Chappelle might pop in, so I'll just go see the comedy store. You know, Louis C.K. might pop in, you know, at the time when he was still Mm -hmm. an okay person to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it's funny we mentioned Dave Chappelle because he actually just shot a special, Sticks Mm -hmm. and Stones, it's out. um, And he shot it here in Atlanta at the Tabernacle. it's what a great it, place for to shoot a special. Bill Burr shot a special there, I think. Yeah, I, it's great. Um, did you? What did you like on the comedy side? What do you? Because he got some blowback, mm-hmm. but I feel like he always gets blowback. It's just <laughs> annoying. I mean, I thought it was no. People like to complain because it makes them feel like they have an opinion. Mm-hmm. People like to be offended. It makes them feel like they're doing something. Yeah, and they're not doing anything. They're just being annoying. Yeah. And it's like I understand that people have. Like we, we have to stand like as women, we had to stand up and be like, hello, like you have to pay us the same, you know, mm-hmm. especially like with the female, like soccer team, you know, with the, like that was like, I loved that. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes you have to make a statement. And by the way, I didn't think that they should have been paid the same. I thought they should be paid more mm-hmm. because they made more money as a team. So it's like, if you're on a pay for play, you know, mm-hmm. if you're getting paid for the way you're playing. Technically, they should have been paid more. Yeah, that whole the whole soccer. I don't know too much about it, but I know FIFA is some corrupt stuff going yeah, yeah. on. Yeah, there's That's... all kinds of dumb shit that goes on. But I think there's always going to be blowback. There's always going to be people who are offended. That's the culture that we live in mm-hmm. now. I feel like stand up is the last real form of free speech. I feel like uh, it's our duty as comics to fight for that and to can you continue to talk the way we talk because. Uh, I think there's also a clever way of doing things. I don't think there's I don't think there's room for true racism. I don't um I feel like they're obviously like but people I think people like to confuse um racial jokes and racist jokes. I don't mm-hmm. really think there's any such thing as a racist joke because racism isn't funny. <laughs> I think jokes about race can be funny if they're done the right way. No. Yeah. And that's great. and yeah, so and I feel like and maybe you can attest to this is like our comics, like are they scared kind of where the culture is going and where the line is? Cause normally like there is no line with comedy, but then everybody's offended by some, but something. Mm-hmm. So it's like our comics scared of what's kind of happening and what, I don't know where it's scared going is the right word. I think maybe just, uh, 
annoyed is a good word or um or some people i just feel like maybe feel more emboldened by Mm. it you know some people feel like it's a bigger platform some people go the opposite way you know like when they get attacked then they just go harder at the reason that they were attacked and they double down i think i think as humans and like i think i think comics are humans and there's plenty for us to learn from and if 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 people are doing things and saying things that um are controversial they need to examine whether it's controversial for a right reason or Mm. if they're just doing it to be controversial like it's like edgy for the sake of edgy is that Mm. really funny or are you just like Mm -hmm. trying to stay on that edgy side and it's like i always feel like there's a smarter more clever way my comedy has gotten a lot cleaner the older i get because it's just more important to me Mm -hmm. and it's more of a challenge to like think of a way to talk about things that don't just involve like sexual so i'm just not a sexual person even though there's a baby and i'm not really like a <laughs> yeah. sexual person so me trying to fit in with all that girl comedy that was aimed in like or directed and like sexual i was like i don't know why i'm doing that like this isn't even me it's not mm-hmm. who i really am so i just stopped talking about that and i feel like that's when i got funnier when i started just admitting who i really was and we're getting close to showtime here and i know you got to focus so mm-hmm. uh for any other whether um whether they're female, male, whatever, want to start in comedy, what would you say if you had one piece of advice uh, for any up-and-coming comic, what would it be? Uh, Pick one airline and stick with it. That's my favorite piece of advice Mm -hmm. because you will be traveling a lot and you want to make your life as easy as possible on the road, and that is a very easy way to go. Um, And then just go up. I mean, the only way to... I mean, the only way to be good at comedy is to just fail. You just have to go and fail and keep going and failing and keep going and failing. That's the way it works. You have to bomb a hundred times before you're funny. And what? What? Oh, real quick, what's your what's your airline? You said pick oh, one Delta. airline. Delta. Mm-hmm. And what is it like to bomb? Is it as bad as everyone says it is? Um, I don't know. It depends on how many people are there yeah. and what the situation is, you know, like bombing in front of a uh, you know six thousand people. That's way worse than bombing in front of six. Yeah. So. But killing in front of 6,000 is way more fun than six. So uh, you have to take the good with the bad. Awesome. And uh, where can we find you on social? And uh, you, you, I definitely want you to plug your podcast as well. <laughs> so that's just Sarah Tiana, Sarah with an H, Tiana with a Tiana. And then our podcast is called Riggles Picks and it's exclusively on Spotify. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I would love your help. This podcast is brand new, so I need all the help I can get. If you would, just subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating. I really, really would appreciate it. And last but not least, I got a little something for you. For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce your own content. And now I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really like your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry. 
I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training. So that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in on camera professionals and I'll see you there.